Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pastor Daniel Dagan. Timely words of hope. Hope Apostolic United Pentecostal Church in Port Charlotte, Florida. So thankful that you've joined us for this podcast today. If you're watching it live as it posts or if you're watching it sometime later, we're so, so very thankful that you're joining us today. And I feel like God's given me a good word for us today. The last couple of days he's been dealing with me about this and I have felt some clear direction to share it with you today in this arena on this platform. Before we get into the word of God, can we pray together today? Scripture tells us, admonishes us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We need to pray for Jerusalem, Israel, and, and all the people, all sides that's involved in the, as Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister, called it, in the war between Israel and Hamas right now. We want to pray for that area and specifically Israel. Can we pray together over this podcast tonight right now in Jesus' name? Lord God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy, your love, and your kindness, God, that you would touch. I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I pray for Israel, this great prophetic sign. I pray, God, that believers around the world would be attentive, God, aware of what is taking place, God, in Israel. We thank you, God, for this opportunity to teach thy word, God, that you would touch and be exalted, Push back everything that's contrary to you. Father, let there be an authority and a clarity, the declaration of thy word. Help us to say no more or no less than what you would have for us to say in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. I want to talk to you today from this subject. Strength to conceive the seed of promise. Strength to conceive the seed of of promise. In our journey with God, we can, through the journey, the waiting process, we can become so weary with that, the waiting, the journey, the process, the time it takes to get to the point in which God is going to do it, that we're absolutely exhausted, we're absolutely spent at the time in which God is ready to do it in our life. I have been dealt with the last couple of days by the Spirit of God. With this particular verse, God has just in my mind allowed it to stir and stir and stir. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 11, of course Hebrews is the listing of what is called the Hall of Fame of Faith, the heroes, the men and women of great faith from the Old Testament. And as we get into it, we come down to Hebrews chapter 11, around verse 8 or so, it begins to speak of Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, the beginning of the faithful, the beginning of the lineage, the patriarchal lineage of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And then there with Abraham, his wife, Sarai, Sarah. And it talks about that in Hebrews 11. And we come down to, I just want to focus on verse 11. It's what I have been drawn to the last couple of days. It's what I have felt prompted to talk about today in this podcast setting. I want to just read it to you. It says, through faith also Sarah herself 
receive strength. Did you catch it? Receive strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful because, can you say that out loud right there where you're at? Because, because she judged him faithful who had promised. There's a lot of preaching in this one verse. Notice what it says, that God gave Sarah strength. She received strength to conceive the seed. Hebrews 11, verse 11. It's fascinating to me that God gave her strength to conceive. Well, we understand that is certainly speaking of the seed of Israel, right? The fulfillment of that prophetic word that's given unto Abraham beginning in Genesis 15 up through 17 forward. That your descendants, that your descendants shall be multiplied as the stars of heaven as a sand upon a seashore. Well, that would come through Abraham and his wife Sarah. And through her womb, God would multiply, yea, Isaac, Jacob, and then continuing there, the 12 tribes, and God multiplies the descendants of Abraham, the people of God. That's what it's speaking about when it says that Sarah received strength to conceive seed. But that's not the only thing it's speaking about. It's also speaking in a very real and practical sense that God strengthened her physical body, her mind, her emotion, her spirit. Remember, both Abraham and Sarah laughed at the fact that God could give them a child when they're well up in years. Genesis 17, 17, I think it is, that says that Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90 when God gave them that child, when Sarah conceived of that, that child, that promised seed. Well, they laughed at that. They couldn't believe it because no normal situation would allow a woman that's 90 years old, a man that's 100, a woman that's 90, with a womb that is dead, that is barren. No normal circumstance would allow her to give birth to a child. But yet God gave her strength, not only to multiply the seed and to, yea, establish the people of God, Israel, but specifically in the moment of the beginning of the fulfillment of the promise, God gave her strength in her body. Did you catch it? In the moment in which God was ready to fulfill the promise, the moment in which God was ready to bring the past, the prophecy, put the seed in her womb, yea, the birthing of the baby, now the promise begins to be fulfilled in a full magnitude. In the moment that was going to take place, God had to strengthen her body so that she could conceive the seed. God, I believe, had to strengthen her mind, her emotions, her thoughts, her spirit. God had to touch her. Because she's the one that is laughing if God can do this or not. You, you even remember that, that bad episode, if you will, that episode of doubt where Sarah suggests to Abraham, 
I'm too old. I can't give you a child. Go lay with Hagar, a handmaiden, a servant, and you and her can conceive a child. And out of that came Ishmael. Abraham did lay with Hagar. And out of that came Ishmael. And as I sit here today, those two descendants, Isaac and Ishmael, are still warring against each other. Israel and the descendants of Isaac, the Palestinians, are still warring against each other. Still in this very moment. So we need to understand that when God gives us a promise and we look and we consider our inability to bring that promise to pass, when God gives us a word, when God gives us a prophecy, and we consider, might I say, the deadness of our womb, the lack of our ability, the lack of our strength, the lack of our resources, the lack of our intuition and knowledge to bring that promise of God to pass. And we get discouraged and we want to throw in the towel and we want to work it out on our own. We want to go conjure up a plan on how God can fulfill his promise to me that he's going to bless me. We got to go work out something and manipulate something and do some side hustle. No, that's not what God wants you to do. We continue to stand in the promises of God. God is not a man that he could lie. If God promised it, it's not going to fall to the ground. The promises of God are yea and amen. God will not allow his word to not be fulfilled. Every word, every jot, every line, every tittle shall be fulfilled. Every word shall be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall stand forever. Jesus declares that it's going to stand. So in the midst, I know it's difficult to wait. In the midst of the waiting, in the midst of the wondering, in the midst of all the uncertainty, when is God going to do it? When is God going to send the multiplication? When is God going to send the prospering? When is God going to elevate us? When is God going to fulfill it? In the midst of waiting, it's tough, I get it. In the midst of wondering, I know it's difficult. In the midst of that, we have to force ourselves to not lean to our own understanding. We have to force ourselves to not go and conjure up a plan to try to somehow put it together and through our own doings and through our own works, see what God has promised to us. What God promised it, it's God's responsibility to do it. And he will. But we do not need to tie an eternal God to our schedule. Did you hear me? We do not need to tie an eternal God to our calendar. I understand you may need it done by the 3rd, by Friday at 11 p.m. or whatever. We don't need to tie an eternal God to our schedule. There's neither a beginning with God nor an ending. He is eternal. He existed before time. Go back and read Genesis 1 and 2. He existed before he set the sun upon its axis. He existed before he put the earth upon its axis. He existed before he put the planets in the solar system. He existed before the sun rose and fell again. He existed before that. God is eternal, meaning 
He's not measured by time. He's not confined by time. He's not controlled or limited by time. The promises of God are not dated, friend of mine. You will be hard-pressed in Scripture to tie God to a date and to a time and to a schedule. There's a few indications, but not many. Not many. So God gave Sarah and Abraham such a promise. And Sarah staggered. She struggled with that. And ultimately, Sarah, Abraham, begins to walk again and embrace the promise of God. And now, on the other side of struggling, on the other side of the weariness of waiting, on the other side of wondering, on the other side of laughing, can God even do this? Now, Sarah's 90, Abraham's 100, and she receives strength to conceive the seed. And she was delivered of the child when she was past age. Genesis 21, 22 tells you about that. She was delivered of the child when she was past age. And then I think a key component is anchored in this word because she received strength. She was delivered of the child of promise because she judged him faithful who had promised it. She judged him faithful. God said it and God done it because she got to a place to judge him faithful because she knew even in the weakness of my own struggles, there was at the core, the depth of who she was, a knowledge that God said he was going to do it. And God done it. It made no sense. God opened up a barren womb. God opened up deadness and brought forth life. I'm speaking to you. God can open up your barren situation and release life. God can open up the deadness of where you're at in your walk with God, in your life, in your career pursuits, in your family being saved, in your ministry. God can open up the deadness of that situation and release life. But you got to hold on to the truth that God is faithful because she knew, judged him to be faithful. God done it. In the midst of all the wonder, you can't let go of the truth that God's faithful. In the midst of all the waiting, you cannot let go of the truth that God is faithful. In the midst of all the anxiousness, and at times it seems like there's an easier way to do this and manipulate a situation so that God can have a little help fulfilling his word. Don't do it, friend of mine. You stand firm in the conviction and the belief that God is faithful and God is able. Notice, it's another situation where God opens up a barren womb, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and then Mary, both are referenced in this passage. Mary, just a young damsel, but Elizabeth, she was barren. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, a wife of Zacharias. John the Baptist is, of course, a six-month elder cousin of Christ, the forerunner to Christ, prepares the way of the Lord. Luke 1, 35 down to 37. 
the angel of the Lord, the angel Gabriel, said unto her, Mary, the Holy Ghost shall overshadow thee, come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also, that which is, that holy thing which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. So what caused the conception of the miracle seed? What brought about the Christ child being birthed unto Mary? This is what brought about it. She even asked a question to the angel Gabriel. I know not a man. How is this going to be? How can I give birth to a child? And the angel of the Lord Gabriel says that the Spirit of God is going to overshadow you. It goes back to Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah 9, 6. She, she's the virgin that conceives, right? And the Spirit of God overshadows her. And she conceives the Mashiach, the Messiah, the Christ. And she gives birth nine months later. We understand what it's speaking about there is God being manifest in flesh. The virgin conception giving birth. But it's also, I think, a, an illustration for us to understand that God's spirit can move upon us and can embolden us. And God's spirit, of course he can. He can birth things in us. The Bible says that no man can say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. There can be a deeper revelation of who Jesus is that is birthed a seed of that, a revelation of that, that is birthed in us through the power and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, through the baptism of God's Spirit in our life. The Holy Ghost overshadowed her. I can't tell you. How many times I've been in prayer meetings and I prayed, God, let your spirit come on me again. God, let your spirit strengthen me again. God, fill me again. Renew me with the Holy Ghost. And in those moments, the spirit of God begins to come upon me, a quickening, a lightening of my mind, a lifting of my spirit, a stammering of my lips, a flowing of tongues. Out of my belly, the spirit begins to flow. With that heavenly language, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, the renewing of strength, the renewing of joy, and the renewing of the promises of God in my life, and the birthing, the planting of new seeds of God in my life. Because as it was with Mary, the Spirit of God came and it conceived. You can have an intimate encounter with God's Spirit, and it can birth greater things in you, and it can birth the seeds of new growth into your life. The Spirit of God can move upon you and it can birth a seed into your spirit so that you begin to want to press into a deeper dimension, so that you begin to want to press in a deeper component of spiritual development, discipleship, ministry, revelation of God's Word, being used by the Spirit, moving in the gifts of the Spirit. All of that can be seeded and birthed in your spirit because you have an encounter with the Holy Ghost overshadowing you and filling you. I can't tell you how many church services, how many prayer meetings by myself away from a church house I've been in. And afterwards, even in a church service, lingering, camp meeting service or whatever, lingering in the service and praying after hearing a powerful word from God. And the Spirit of God took the word that was preached to me 
and begin to personalize it and relate it to me and begin to open up my mind and see things into my mind on what he was going to do that was in alignment with the word that was just preached to me. He began to see it into my mind, into my spirit, pictures of what he was going to do, doors he was going to begin to open up. Holy Ghost, help us, Jesus. So that's what happened. It overshadowed Mary. And then it says that, verse 36 of one of Luke chapter 1, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she had also conceived a son in her old age. This is a sixth month with her who was barren. So Mary was not barren. She was a young damsel. But Elizabeth was barren. Elizabeth was barren. And here's another example. An old, older woman, says old age, an older woman with a barren womb, God opened it up. God opened it up. Don't give up. Maybe you've been praying for a long time. God, do this. God, change my husband. Change my wife. Change my circumstance. Keep praying. Elizabeth was an old woman of old age, barren. Probably in her mind she has maybe given up along the way. Can God really do what he said he was going to do? And he done it. And he done it. It says in verse 37, the angel Gabriel speaking unto Mary. For with God nothing, did you catch it? For with God nothing shall be impossible. I, I want to read just a couple more verses to you. Revelation chapter 3. Verse 7 and 8. Talking to you about strength to conceive the seed of promise. There's some things that God wants to give birth to in your family. There's some things, promises, that God wants to fulfill. But we don't get to that place if you give up on God. You have to allow God to give you strength and seed a promise into your life and then trust and wait for God until that promise germinates, grows, and at the appointed time, at the appointed time, that seed now produces fruit and there's a prophetic fulfillment in your life. Go back and study Genesis chapter 21, verse 1 and verse 2. If I can put my hands on it here quickly, I'll, I'll read it to you. Genesis chapter 21, verse 1 and 2. This is speaking of how God visited Sarah, as he had said she conceived and bore unto Abraham the promised seed, the promised child, Isaac. I want you to notice the last statement of Genesis 21 and verse 2. At the set time. At the set time. Don't allow Satan, which is a liar and father of lies. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the thief. Don't allow Satan to talk you out of the promises of God. Don't allow Satan to talk you out of the prophetic utterances of God. Allow God to give you strength to conceive and allow God to seed and birth things into you. Conceive things into your life. Birth them into your life. 
and then through the waiting process, trust God. God gave me a promise. He's faithful. He's faithful. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. I trust your God. God, you're not a man that you can lie. God, I know you're going to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can hope or ask or think, according to the power that worketh within me. Lord God, help me to pray and not to faint. Help me to pray, God, and not to faint. Help me, God, to press forward to the prize of the high calling. Let me reach forward, God. You need to hold on to that until the appointed time. Did you catch it? I wish I knew the appointed time for the promises of God in your life and my life. But God's not tied to a clock. And God does not answer to mankind. He knows what's best. His ways are not always. His thoughts are not our thoughts. I, I remember one of the more difficult times and one of the more glorious times in our marriage, me and my wife. It was literally the best and the worst of days. We had done an exhaustive amount of work to buy the house that we're in now. We had owned the house, two previous homes. God helped us. But we had sold that one took the money to buy the house we're in now. And we was going through the extraordinary paperwork closing due diligence process. Like that much paperwork, right? And it was a day of closing. They verified it, told us to come down to an office south of here in Fort Myers at 10 a.m. on this particular day. And, and because the date that we sold our house and the date of the closing to buy and close on our new house there was like six weeks in between that. And the closing on a new house was extended because of all the paperwork, documentation, and so forth. And every time we thought we had it done, they said, we need this, we need that. But well, we go now to the day of closing. Now, we got numerous emails, certified letters. This is the day of closing. So we had been in Airbnbs um, for a couple weeks at a time. We had even rented a room at a hotel, a suite at a hotel here in town. And like we was out of money that we could use for that. We had no more money for any of that between the down payment on the house, things we were buying for the house, a U-Haul, everything else. We had no more money for that. So we had put everything that we had with us in our vehicle. And, and if we didn't close on the house that day, we was going to be sleeping in the car that night, that kind of deal. And, and so we show up at 10 a.m. for the house closing, and it was um, – just a gamut of emotions. We go into the office to sign the paperwork. Here's the pen. Ready to sign it? Take a picture, honey. Post it on social media. Well, we go in to close, and as we go in to close, the title clerk says, well, there's some more things we're waiting on. Just came up this morning. Go get lunch. Come back. So we go get lunch and come back. He says, well, there's some more things we're waiting on. So we're like waiting around. And then he says, your lender is refusing to transfer the money because they've had a problem with their computer system. And it was like after 6 p.m. before they got the wire transfer and they allowed us to sign the paperwork, gave us the keys, and we finished the deal. And in the midst of that, I was a, by the time I got the keys, I was ready to like snap a picture, put on social media, happy day, here's the keys, thumbs up, going to move into a new house before lunch. But I was so exhausted with the process of waiting throughout six weeks and then that day the process of waiting eight nine hours 
that day literally sitting on a bench outside the attorney's office. We was absolutely exhausted, okay? And so when we got the keys and the door finally opened and we should be rejoicing in the prophetic promise and fulfillment, we had no more strength. We were done. And sometimes, sadly, that's how it plays out. We exhaust ourselves fighting to hold on to with everything that we have to the promise that God has given to us. And we do, but by the grace of God, hold on to it. We hold on to that seed. That seed conceives. It germinates. It grows. And now we've come to the place of stepping into the blessing, stepping into the fulfillment, and watching God favor us and smile upon us. And the sad thing is many times when we get to that threshold of passing through into the blessing, of passing through into the fulfillment of the promise, we're absolutely numb, exhausted, and spent with the process through all that we've come through. I want to pray the strength of God upon you today before we let you go. But just before I do, I think you see that very picture play out. When you study Revelation chapter 2 and 3, it is written to this literally, it is written to the seven churches of Asia in the first century. These are seven literal churches, Thyatira, Smyrna, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. They, they were seven different churches. But additionally, I think the language of chapter 1 up to the end of chapter 3 allows us to make this statement. If you're interested in the lesson on it, email me, pastordegan at gmail.com. I'll give it to you. Make your own assessment. But I think not only is it written to the seven different literal churches of the first century, but it also chronicalizes a picture of the broad church age from the day of Pentecost up until the rapture of the church, which is forthcoming, of course. And, and it's my feeling and my belief, and I think I can support this very clearly scripturally, that the end of these seven churches, the final two, Philadelphia and Laodicea, gives us a picture of the last day church. Not just Philadelphia and not just Laodicea. Philadelphia is a great, loyal, strong church. I think it's an apostolic church that stands and rises in the last day. But then Laodicea, the spirit of worldliness, I think it's frankly a picture of the apostate church, what becomes the whore mother Babylon, the mixing together of this generic, relevant garbage that tries to bring all religions together. I think Laodicea is a picture of that. But the two spirits exist together. Like the wheat and the tares, they grow together. But then at the rapture, Jesus takes the church out of here or Philadelphia out of here. It's a lesson for another time. But notice, as I finish the day talking about Strength to conceive, strength to conceive the seed of promise. Notice what it says in Revelations 3, verse 7, to the church of Philadelphia, the loyal, good, strong church. He says, These things saith he that is holy, that is true, that hath the key of David. He that openeth and no man shutteth, no man. Hold on to that. No man shut it. And shut it, and no man openeth. He says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man 
shut it. He says three times in just a couple of verses that no man can undo what I'm doing. No man can shut doors that I've opened. And no man can open doors that I've shut. He makes that statement to not a backslidden church, not to a sinful group of people, unbelievers. He makes that statement to the shining star church, Philadelphia. Even good, strong saints, good people, good saints of God, need to be reminded that when God stands for you and you stand in agreement with God's principles, that no man can shut doors that God has destined for them to be open for you. And no man can open doors that God has closed. Three times he tells them that. Then he goes on and he says, For thou hast but a little strength. Thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. You've kept my word, not denied my name, but you're weak. You have a little strength. Even at the brink of an open door and opportunity. Even at the place of stepping into the fulfillment. The germination, growth, fulfillment of promises, the prophetic utterances, the seed maturing, being fruitful. Even at the brink of an open door that no man could shut, you have but a little strength. Have but a little strength. I believe God wants to help us and strengthen us today. And he doesn't just say that to them. But he says it, verse 13, He that hath an ear, Revelation 3, let him hear what the Spirit saith, Unto the churches. Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. That word's for us. That word is for us. Even when you have a promise from God and God has given you strength to conceive a seed of promise, and now you've held on to that, and it's time to enjoy the blessings of that. And it's time to see the prophetic fulfillment of that. And there's an open door in front of you. And you've done everything right to hold on to the word and to hold on to the name and to stand faithfully in a wicked hour. Even some good saints of God, even ministers at times, can be so exhausted and so weakened because of the journey, because of the waiting, because of the process. That you just don't have the strength to walk through the open door. But he encourages the church of Philadelphia and he encourages all churches. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. God not only wants to give us strength to conceive the seed of promise, but he wants to give us strength to hold to it through the process of waiting until the appointed time and then to step through the threshold of the fulfillment of the prophetic, and enjoy the good blessings of God. I think that's where the church is at today. I want to pray. Can we pray together? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. I pray, God, give us strength to conceive the seed. And God, give us strength to hold to the word of God, the promises of God. 
until the appointed time, the set time, due season. And let us hold to thy word. Let us hold to thy name. Let us hold to the conviction that you're faithful and that you've promised it, that you're going to do it. And God, in the midst of this hour of weariness, of attacks, of Satan coming to try to steal and take it, help us, God, to find the strength through the power of the Spirit coming upon us and renewing and refreshing us that we can, in this hour, walk through the door of tremendous opportunity, growth, revival, and increase, God, up until the time of your coming, the great rapture. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord God, we humbly pray all these things in thy name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you again, Pastor Daniel Dagan, Hope Apostolic United Pentecostal Church, Port Charlotte, Florida. Timely words of hope. These posts to our podcast platforms every first and third Tuesday each month at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Please like them, subscribe to our to our pages, our Facebook page, and also our YouTube channel, and share these. God bless you, friend. Thank you.